What up, everybody in podcast world? This is Spiritual Side Note, um, and I am Shabo Gear coming at you. Most of you probably know who I am, but uh, just in case you're new, checking us out, um, we are a podcast that seeks to have honest conversation with each other so that hopefully that sparks some good conversation uh, with you um, and you in your community, your context, uh, uh, as far as how to live like Jesus. And this is just a side note to your week. We still believe in being in a physical community um, through maybe a, like a life group or something like that, where you can go deeper and have good um, intimate friendships and relationships with those you love, as well as being a part of a, a local church um, and just the importance of, of that and being connected into the body as we are one body. And so um, today I'm actually flying solo on the podcast as Haley has still been recovering from COVID and some other things happened this week that um, just are causing me to have to take this one head on. Well, you are lucky because uh, brevity is a strong suit of mine. So this is going to be a little bit shorter week. Plus, I don't have my beautiful bride to um, bounce things off and to share her uh, many, many years of wisdom with us. So um, I just wanted to have a little bit almost of a follow-up, I guess, conversation to last week's podcast episode on marriage. So I wouldn't even really call this part two. Um, this is truly just kind of a follow-up, just like a little bit of a tag um, that I'm going to tackle for a few minutes today. And um, one is as a, or an ordained pastor, um, I've gotten to do some weddings. So I'm going to talk a little bit from that vantage point, just walking with couples uh, in the premarital and even postmarital process um, and share a couple of insights from that. Um, as well as hitting on this idea of the husband being the spiritual head of the home. Um, this is a kind of a unique topic in the sense that it, I feel like it doesn't get a lot of playtime um, in our modern day. Um, there is uh, just so much around shared responsibilities and things of that nature um, that this idea of the spiritual leader of the home doesn't often get hit on a lot. Um, but we do believe that it's biblical. Um, and so I just thought that it'd be good to share a little bit on that. Um, so I'll start there. I'll start with this concept of the spiritual leader of the home. Um, and the first thing I was going to say is I'm not good at this. Um, I don't have a great grasp on this concept. Um, I have a biblical understanding of it, but even that doesn't show the practicality of how that kind of plays out in our daily lives. Um, and so trying to seek how that plays out is can be rather difficult. Um, and if you don't know what I mean by the husband being the spiritual leader, um, really it comes out of a couple different passages. Ephesians is one that often um, gets talked about where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. And unfortunately, um, a lot of sermons, at least I would say, um, you know, especially anywhere from 10 to 100 years ago, um, just got a lot of playtime on the wives submit to your husbands and didn't really finish the passage um, because it has a ton to do with um, the husbands and the way they're supposed to treat their wives as well. Um, and so uh, there's this shared responsibility here in Ephesians where we see, um, yeah, wives need to submit or, or subject themselves to their husbands um, and, and avail, avail, oh my goodness, avail themselves to their husbands. Um, but the husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And as you and I both know, um, 
Christ died for us. And so um, the husband is called to sacrifice, to sacrifice his will, his wants, his selfishness, his desires um, for the sake of, of his spouse. And so um, really it, it comes down to essentially mutual submission in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, and don't get me wrong, there is a responsibility. I believe that husbands of faith will be held to a higher accountability for their families, that is, because they are supposed to be the spiritual leader of their home. Um, but so much of what we're seeing these days is um, kind of a deterioration of the family unit. Uh, we're seeing a lot of fatherless homes and fathers not taking, um, not even just a spiritual leader role, but just kind of the uh, emotional present role even, where they're just either completely, totally physically absent, or they're physically there, but they're just playing the provider, but they're not, they're not pouring into, um, their family or their kids. And, um, and we're just seeing this kind of deterioration of the family unit, which, uh, I see a lot of the effects of that as a youth pastor, where you're just seeing students who are being raised in that environment or even lack thereof healthy environment, um, and the way that it affects them. Um, and so, it's just kind of a unique dynamic to see it from that perspective. But um, I believe that husbands are supposed to be the the spiritual leader of, of pouring into. Um, now, like I said, I'm not great at this. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what this looks like and means. Um, and for the first few years of Haley and my marriage, um, and I I think I might've said this last week, but Haley really was the spiritual leader. Like I trusted her relationship with God and her discernment of the Holy spirit more than I trusted my own. And so a lot of times I just kind of default like, well, what do you think or sense or what's God speaking to you about? Let's go with that. Um, and that's kind of how I would operate. Like I would still read the word and try to press in and whatnot. But when it came to like more family decisions, um, I just kind of would default to her a little bit. And I'm beginning to learn just that level of responsibility that I do need to take. Now, when it comes to making life decisions and parenting, I'm, uh, please hear me, I'm not saying that um, that means that Shay has to make all the decisions and doesn't need to consult Haley because I'm the spiritual leader, so I can go out and purchase whatever I want, or um, I can make the decisions on how we're going to raise our kids, and, and Haley just has to be okay with that, right? Like, I very, very much, and if you know me or you know Haley in my marriage, um, we want to do it together. There's conversation conversation. There is listening to one another and, and heeding wisdom from each other. There is give and take where we're doing this together. We're living life together. Um, but there is some level, Scripture t tells us, of the husband leading the wife. And, and we even see it in that, the end of that Ephesians passage where it says husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loves the church, and women or wives, excuse me, are supposed to um, respect their husbands. Um, and there's just something kind of about that that dynamic um, and this idea of of respecting their husbands. Because a lot of guys, for whatever reason, this idea of respect is just really important. Um, a lot of guys I've even heard say, like, man, I would rather feel even respected than loved. And I don't know why that is. And I think that that's even kind of changing a little bit as I see a lot of of guys um, being more authentic and vulnerable with their raw emotions of what they're feeling, um, that there isn't this like demand of you will respect me even if you don't love me, right? Like um, I know 
I can sometimes feel that with Athalia. It's like, I don't care if you like me right now, but you are going to respect me. You're going to respect the rules that we put in place. You're going to respect the boundaries. You're not going to hit or do whatever you want, right? Like there's this almost this innate part in me that's like, you will respect me, child. Um, and um, But this idea of guys just being more authentic and vulnerable with themselves where they, they need that tender love as well. Um, but in this shared relationship too, like we can go back to the Garden of Eden. Um, and again, like I said, I'm not great at this, but as I try to understand the biblical understanding of of husbands being the spiritual leader, um, if you go back to the fall and what God speaks, he speaks to the serpent, um, to Eve, and then to Adam after, um, after they sin. And what he speaks to the woman, excuse me, he says, um, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you shall deliver children. And then it follows up and says, yet your desire will be for your husband. Um, and almost from the fall, right? This is not, so this isn't an identity thing because our identity was rooted, is rooted in God and was established um, before the fall when humans were created. But um, as a part of the fall, one of the, the things that entered into uh, our lives as now sinful human beings, as sin has entered the world, is almost a part of the sin nature of a wife is that there's this longing for um, your husband. Um, and there is obviously a healthy longing, right? Like you want to be attracted to your spouse and, and you want to um, have shared relationship and dialogue and care for each other and want to spend time with each other and, and all of those things that can be healthy. But there's almost this natural unhealthy longing, this seeking of attention or um, uh, just fighting for something to be met in you that only can be met uh, by God. But there's something in the struggle for wives in particular based off Genesis 3 um, and go and obviously read it, like do do your own research and dive into this idea of husbands being the spiritual leader. But um, as I read it, I just see this dynamic that's played out that that there's something within wives that just long for and desire um, the the husband, and so there's almost this um, uh, this is probably not the right word to use or term to use, um, but this power play happening unintentionally, right? Um, even for a husband who's not seeking authority or power by any means, but just this natural power play where there's this uh, wife who is who is longing and desiring something from her husband that she's not going to be able to get because that can only happen from God. But because of this dynamic, um, I think that's one of the reasons why the husband is the, the leader of the home, um, that that was actually a part of the um, consequences from the fall. And so we see this dynamic then play, play out in our lives. And so, um, I believe that the husband is supposed to be incredibly caring and, and loving of their wife, that it really is ultimately, I think I said this earlier, but like a mutual submission. Um, and it looks differently from, well, one from couple to couple, but even from husbands to wives, the way that that, that plays out, um, does have to look different. Cause I think, again, ultimately, I think there is more of a responsibility, um, and I will be held 
to a higher accountability for my family being the spiritual leader of the home. And so trying to figure out what that looks practically, it's really tough, especially when you have a wife and who loves God and has a great relationship with him. Um, but ultimately there have to be decisions that, um, Haley and I talk about or, or things that I need to be in prayer about, like, God, how do I need to lead my family? Um, and, and just like going to Haley and saying, I think we need to do this, or I think this needs to shift, or I want to read the word with our kids every day. Or I, one thing that I would have been kind of challenged on lately, and I've really longed for this for a while now since Athelia's been born, but um, really getting to a place like almost in the last month, um, where our kids are sleeping well enough to allow this to happen, where I've just been challenged to like, I want to get up before the kids wake us up at 5.45 or 6 or whatever time. Like, I want to get up before that and be in the Word so that they catch me reading the Word and being in prayer. And not to put on a face, not to be fake, but I want to be doing that around them. Like, yeah, I need to do it. I need to be praying without ceasing all day, right? Or it's okay to read the Word um, during my break at work or whatever. But like... um, I want to also be doing it at home where they catch me and, and I get to invite them into that. Cause that's a part of what discipleship is, is, is inviting people into what you're doing. That's what Jesus did. He said, Hey, come and follow me. Um, and obviously culturally, um, that looks different nowadays. Um, especially in Michigan, we can't just like bum it around. Um, it's too cold during January. And so, um, we've, we've got to figure out some new methods and the way that our culture works and society works like that changes, but the message is still the same. Um, even though the method changes. And so the principle is still there of like, man, I just want to invite people into what I'm doing. And I want to invite my kids and my wife into what I'm doing to pursue Jesus, to hopefully help them take their next step with Jesus, even if they don't know Jesus yet, as our little toddlers do, but, um, but teaching them, showing them, demonstrating what it means to pursue Jesus in a right relationship with him. And so um, I want them to catch me in that, in those positions of, of submission and, and surrender and humility and reading the word and in prayer so that those things are, as old phrases goes, those things are caught rather than taught because kids are going to pick up on what you do way more than they're going to pick up on what you say. So the whole do as I say, not as I do mentality just really doesn't play out. <laughs> like, and, and if you've worked with kids at all, all, you just know this to be true. Um, kids pick up what you do. They, they'll ignore what you say if you do something different. They understand the difference. Even at a young age, they can tell and they'll, they'll do what you're doing. That's, that's how they learn. And so um, just the responsibility to disciple my family, to lead them and to, to make some of those decisions um, and to do it in a kind, gentle way. This is not a demanding, the the spiritual leader role is not one of demanding, even one of order, um, of you, we, it must be this way. You have to look this way. Um, you know, even scripture says, parents raise your children up in the way that they should go so that when they're older, they will not divert from the path. Well, the way that they should go in my mind is one, yes, showing them Jesus, right? Like in a general way that they should go, but even like uniquely looking at each child saying, man, I need to discipline this child differently because of their personality, or I need to teach my child, this child differently than that child on how to, how to, 
participate in the disciplines or, or what it means to be saved or whatever the conversation may be, that we might have to juke and jive based off um, our kids, right? And that um, I want to raise Athalia the way that she should go and Hagen the way that he should go, even if those are different, but both obviously pointing to Jesus, but the route might be slightly different for them based off their personalities or their giftings or their learning styles, whatever the case may be. And so um, I want to be attuned to that, be in prayer and be asking God to reveal to me what are those things that I need to do as the husband, as the father, um, what was he calling me to do? What's he asking me to just do on my own versus what I need to um, present to Haley and say, hey, I think we should do this together in our marriage. Or I think we should do this as a family and just bring it to the family and challenge the family to, to pursue Jesus in a new way. And so we can't make decisions for other people, but we can lead them, right? We can do with them or we can demonstrate for them what those things are. And then hopefully um, the, they can follow suit or they can join in as your kids are your disciples. So um, obviously that went just from husbands to father roles as well as being the spiritual leader of the whole home. Um, so if you have kids of your kids as well as your, um, your wife. And again, this is kind of nuanced. Um, this is a this can be a tricky conversation because practically we're not really given a lot of details as to how this looks. Um, but husbands are supposed to love like Christ loved the church. Um, and that means self-sacrifice. That means dying and, um, and, and being tender with your wife's heart and loving her well. And, and wives, that means respect and, and submitting to your husband. Um, and that submission looks differently. Um, I'd be really, this is one part <laughs> definitely where I wish Haley was able to join today um, because she would just have a really cool perspective on, on, on that from a wife's vantage point um, to speak into anyone who's listening that is a wife today. Um, but yeah, that's kind of all I'll share, I guess, on that part of the conversation right now. Um, but just as we kind of follow up with some of the other things, and I think that... Um, Hey and I really did hit some of the bigger things in our story that were that were really storied, uh, or sorry, as we shared our story, um, and then kind of recap some of those different things that um, we've learned along the way of listening well and seeking to understand the other's perspective. And you know, Haley kind of finished the even the end of the episode with like, and get counseling. Like counseling's great, and I genuinely believe that counseling is so incredibly helpful. Um, and so if you need that, just, man, don't be, don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. Um, just reach out, um, Google search best counselors in my area or something to that effect and, and just get counseling. Um, but as we follow up, just some of the different couples that I've been able to, to mentor, um, and um, to do my own pastoral counseling leading up to marriage. Just some of the things that I've learned from them um, that can be really helpful for a healthy marriage um, is, well, there's, there's a number of, a number of things, but um, the first one I would say is just that um, broken marriages don't often happen from unmet expectation. Um, you might have heard that before where it's like, man, all of our arguments are because of unmet expectation. Um, but even if you have to work that back even farther, and I think it goes to unspoken expectations um, because there can just be things that I expect 
of Haley or out of our marriage um, that I've never said. It's almost so subconscious or I think it's just so normal that it doesn't have to even be said, right? Like, um, no, this is going to happen once a week. And a lot of that can just be from what we see, honestly, in like movies or, or shows or whatever. Um, but a lot of it's how we grew up. It's just things that we saw. Like, I just expected I would mow the lawn. My, I don't remember my mom ever mowing the lawn. And so it was either my dad or it was me when I was old enough. So um, that was just something that the dad did, right? The husband did. And so I was going to mow the lawn. Funny thing is Haley actually likes mowing the lawn. Um, so she's mowed a couple times because we have a rider and she's like, I've, I actually think it's fun. She's like, can I mow the lawn? I'm like, I don't care. I don't like mowing the lawn. So go for it. Um, but, uh, but almost it's just assumed uh, expectation that you don't even speak. Um, and obviously mowing the lawn is a pretty surface level one where, um, you know, it's probably not going to cause some long-term damage unless you really, really care about your lawn, which some people do. That's okay. Um, I don't, so it's not, uh, it's not a deep wound for me. Um, but a lot of this is more the expectation of, of needs, like internal needs that, that we expected to be met. Um, some of those can be relational. Some of them can be emotional. Some of them can be sexual, right? Like this, uh, I expected this would happen in our marriage. Like that's just, I didn't even know I expected it. It was so subconscious for me. I couldn't even have put it into words, but then all of a sudden it's not being met and it's causing issues. It's causing a riff. And so one of the things that um, I suggest to um, couples who are seeking to get married and we're walking through the premarital counseling is you actually have to go through and consciously just think through what are the things that I expect in marriage? Like what are some of those things that, um, are almost so subconscious I don't even have words for and just try to find words. Like I expect I'll sleep on the right side of the bed, not the left side. I expect we'll buy, um, Aquafresh toothpaste, not whatever other brands there are out there. I don't know. Um, I expect, um, we will each have our own bank account or I expect we'll have one bank account. Just all these things that, um, you might not even go into that way. It allows you to have conversation around these expectations. And then once you get into the conversation of expectations, you can go to the more of the heart place because the expectation is more the external thing, right? That's the thing that's kind of coming out. Like, well, I expect to have date night once a week. Okay, well, where does that come from? Why do you expect that? Do you expect that because you saw your parents do it? You expect that because you read that in a healthy marriage book? Like, where's that expectation coming from? And what need is that meeting? Now, just to be clear, I'm a big advocate of weekly date nights, even if you can't afford it and it's just at home, but it's just set aside time for, for the two of you to hang out, be with each other, ask good questions, invest in each other, whatever that might be, look like. Um, big advocate of that. So I'm not saying that that's a bad expectation, but getting at the heart, like why is that there and what's the need um, trying to be met from within you? And so... Just being sure to, to dive in and to focus on some of those unspoken expectations because 
people just get into it. And then all of a sudden you have two people crashing into each other, trying to make one life work. Um, and it's difficult, you know, who's going to do the dishes, who's going to do the laundry, who's going to take out the trash, who's going to be the initiator of uh, date night, who's going to be the initiator of what's we're having for dinner. Um, who's going to be the breadwinner in our family. Who's going to handle the budget. Like all of those things just cause this surface level of you're not meeting my expectations. Right. And so just trying to sift through and search out what are my expectations of our marriage and of my spouse and even of myself um, that you just need to kind of work on and, and write through. Um, and then the other thing, um, kind of along with expectations, um, and it ties back into listening well that we talked about last week, is um, like almost prioritizing goals. And this is where a lot of humility has to come through because um, you guys have to fight through goals with each other because you more than likely you can't tackle um, all the goals at the same time um, that you have. Um, and so there has to be give and take, like, man, this is a huge goal of mine to whatever, by the time I'm however old, or, um, this is a financial goal that I might have, or this is a work goal to be promoted by, um, the end of this year or whatever the case may be, but you might have different goals and actually learning to prioritize. Well, okay. Which one do we actually tackle first? And, oh, well, I was really wanting to do that first, but yeah, okay, I'll bump that down to number two so we can do your number one first or whatever that case may be and, and begin to to recognize some of those things. Um, now, with those couple things, focusing on unspoken or subconscious expectations um, and then even the goals, it's a lot of external things. And really the breakdown in, in marriages just comes to um, not having an emotional connection. And so I, while those conversations are really helpful, again, you have to push past the surface level of who's going to do the budget because that's really important. Don't get me wrong, hugely important. Um, that way you have an understanding an expectation, you have a clear goal, you have a clear role that you're playing, right? Like that's, that's a big deal. And finances, um, I believe are still number two of reason you get, um, people get divorced. I think one is sex related, either sex between the couple or like affairs, things like that. And then two, I believe are finances. Um, and so, um, don't get me wrong, finance stuff like that's huge, but you have to like, you just have to push past that. You have to find the emotional connection between the two. Like, okay, I'm going to handle the budget, but I, if I'm going to take that time, then I'm going to need you to take this time. And the reason I want you to take that time is for this reason, right? Like, um, if I'm investing over here, I want you to invest over there. Cause it demonstrates to me that like you're in our marriage and, and you're taking on this role and you're handling this part, um, that we're both investing together. And then when we're not doing those things, we're able to just be with each other and invest in our relationship. Um, and that really comes down to holistic intimacy. Um, and uh, there are five layers of intimacy. It's physical, mental, uh, spiritual, emotional, and intellectual. Um, and 
the I feel like the biggest one that can get tripped up is the difference between mental and intellectual. Mental uh, intimacy is just an awareness of what your spouse is doing and maybe what they need, like their schedule, right? Like, I know you have a meeting until six o'clock tonight, so I'm going to make sure I have dinner ready by 630. So you don't have to get home at 630 from work and then think about it, like, I'll just handle dinner. Um, so when you walk in the door, it's already cooking or done or whatever. Or like, that's a mental awareness of of your spouse and and gaining mental intimacy of caring about even their schedule um, and what they need based off that schedule. Um, oh, you don't have time to run that errand, so I'm going to go on my day off and I'm going to I'm going to run to the grocery store. I'm going to grab that thing on my way home from work or whatever. Um, that's a that's mental intimacy. Whereas intellectual intimacy um, has to do with uh, seeking to understand how your spouse is growing and what they're learning, um, maybe what books they're reading and what they're learning there or how they're growing, what they're learning at their job. Um, you know, like what new thing did you learn or what new conversation have you had or um, how are you growing in, in your role that you're doing um, at your job? Or uh, if you don't have a job, if you're, if you're, or don't have a, a job in the workforce, but like you're, you're a stay at home mom or dad, you know, what did you learn about our kids today? Or, or what did you, did you do any research on parenting or disciplining or um, anything like that? Like where you're asking this question of what are you learning? How are you growing? Um, and the intellectual and the spiritual can almost cross over when it's like, what did you learn from scripture? You know, this today or this week, as you were reading the scripture, what did you learn from that? Both that, right. That's both an intellectual learning growth conversation, but it's also spiritual as well. And, and so just pressing in, to those different layers um, and, and seeking to truly, truly know the person um, at those different layers, not just having sex and leaving it at physical intimacy, but intimacy on all five of those different layers. Um, and like one of the things I'll say uh, whenever I do a wedding is that to to be fully known is one of the greatest gifts and joys that we have, right? Because we spend so much time um, essentially putting on these layers and covering things up because there are things we don't like about ourselves or even just the, the sin nature that we have that it's just easy to feel shame um, about who we are or decisions we've made or anything like that, where it's just easier, easy to feel shame and to hide and to cover up. And you do that at such a young age and it just builds. Um, but to be married is to begin to allow your spouse to peel back those layers um, and to base uh, your marriage on this place of trust where it's like, man, I trust you enough that I'm going to let you peel back this layer. I'm going to let you uncover this thing that I've never been really fully, truly, completely honest with anybody before. Or I'm going to let you into the space of my story or, or I'm going to let you um, speak to the identity um, of who I am and, and speak truth into the identity because I've believed this lie for so long. Um, and so beginning to allow your spouse to peel back um, the different layers of your soul in order to truly get at the core of who you are. And it allows you to live your 
natural, normal self. And that, that does not mean to say, well, this is who I am, so deal with it. No, no, no. We're all called to grow. We're called to love well. We're called to sacrifice, right? We're not, if I'm naturally very selfish, which I am, that doesn't mean that I get to act selfish and then tell Haley, well, this is who I am. You have to deal with it. No, no, no. As Christ followers, we're called to die to self. Um, we're called to love each other and to serve our brothers and sisters. And our spouse is one with us, but also our brother and our sister in Christ, if you both have a relationship. And so we need to serve, we need to love one another. Um, but when you are intimately known, holistically known and seen by your spouse and loved for who you are, man, it gives you such freedom just to live in who you've been made to be, um, where it just feels freeing and carefree, where you can laugh in a way you haven't laughed um, in a long time because you get to just be yourself without guardrails or walls up um, to protect yourself because you have this base of trust with your spouse. And if you don't have that trust with your spouse right now, that's the starting place. You have to get to that place of trust with your spouse where you feel confident and comfortable to allow them to peel back their layers. Um, and so one of the ways of getting to trust is honestly just like being human with them, right? Like not Patrick Lencioni talks about that when he talks about working on teams that um, one the base dynamic that you have to have for a healthy team is trust. And so um, you actually have to begin to trust the, your spouse first, right? If there's not trust there, you have to begin to trust them first and you trust them in little bits, right? And, and see how they handle that. And if they don't handle it well, then you have to have that confrontation conversation and say, hey, I tried to open up about this or I shared this and you responded this way and it really hurt me or affected me, felt like I can't trust you with, with that thing or with sharing this thing and, and just begin to dialogue and to build trust and to build trust and to build trust where hopefully you get to this place of, of allowing your spouse to peel back these layers. And I think I shared that part last week that it wasn't until just a couple of years ago that, um, I, I got to that place with Haley that I finally actually believe like, no, what you want is what's best for me. And so I'm going to listen to what you say and speak into my life and know that you want what's best for me. And then take that to Jesus say, okay, what of what Haley just said to me, do I need to take and apply to my life? And, and so being willing to, to peel back those layers and, and allow your spouse to truly know you. Because when you are fully known, like I said, man, that is, it is one of the greatest joys. Um, but we live just such guarded lives um, and, and inauthentic. And, and you might think, man, I'm just getting really deep or I'm being really authentic or really vulnerable. And for you, you, you probably are. But it's just amazing. The more um, I am authentic and vulnerable with Haley, the more I grow and the more uh, we're in healthy stages of our marriage, which has been amazing for the last few years, um, the more we're there, the more I just feel, again, more free to to be myself with her. Um, and it's just, it's powerful. It's, um, it's been really, really cool to see. Um, so being sure to just have that healthy dialogue and, um, and, and chase after those different levels of intimacy. Um, there's a lot of other things that I press into depending on the couple for, uh, marriage counseling stuff. But, um, the two big ones, like I said, those unspoken expectations, just be sure that you're doing the the difficult work to be like, man, do I have any unspoken expectations or is there anything, um, kind of in me that I'm just like expecting of you. Um, and then being sure to 
chase after that, that holistic intimacy um, and pursuing physical, mental, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual intimacy with your spouse. Um, and then, like we said last week, man, just listening, seeking to understand that is truly huge um, as you as you journey with each other. So I hope that this kind of follow up has been um, a little bit of additional help or guidance or even just like we talk about all the time, just conversation starter that you would be like, OK, I need to I need to dive into this. What does it mean to be the spiritual leader of the home or, or for my husband to be the spiritual leader of the home or um what does the Bible say about that? Or what does holistic intimacy look like in our life? And how can I sacrifice and pursue and, and, uh, have that desired intimacy or just begin to build trust, um, in, in our marriage so that we can seek to have this holistic intimacy of, of freedom within our marriage relationship. So, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in and uh, checking out spiritual side note this week. I hope that you, All have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Later, everybody.